This is Ask Dr. E, where Dr. Michael Easley answers your biblical or theological questions in 10 minutes or less. Today's question comes from Chad. Hey, Hannah. By the way, I love that he just addressed it to me, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he knows you, huh? Yeah. Hey, Hannah. Well, yeah, we email back and forth. I've got a new question. A friend of mine in Chattanooga is upset because his Baptist church is starting to allow women to baptize. They have only men as elders and deacons, but he is afraid this could turn into other things. I argue that the New Testament is silent on this and should not make a difference. But now I'm second-guessing that and would love to know your (laughs) thoughts. Dr. E. Well, I ain't a Baptist, but let's take a run at this from a couple of levels. Number one, evangelical churches, Baptist churches, churches that are independent, typically have local governing authority. So even in the Baptist, if this is a bona fide Southern Baptist church, it's going to have a... It's called the Baptist Faith and Message is sort of their denominational head, okay? And they're going to have prescriptive and doctrinal statements. Now, the local church has some flexibility in some of these, and we saw this most interestingly in the recent Southern Baptist Convention over women pastors. And that was a huge thing in the Christian news circle about whether a pastor can be a woman or not. So it kind of goes back to egalitarian Complementarian. Let me define those real quickly, and we will get to Chad's specific question. Complementarian is men and women have equal value but distinct roles. Equal value, distinct role. Egalitarian, egal, eagle, have equal value, equal roles. And this is becoming more prevalent in churches. The Willow Creek, the seeker-sensitive churches were egalitarian most of the newer churches are egalitarian. So you have a women elders. They may not have a primary woman pastor, but they will have women pastors, sometimes husband-wife teams and so forth. Churches that are complementarian will say the role of elder, the role of a pastor teacher, which typically is also an elder, is reserved for men. Now from there, it gets a little squishy on how hard you draw these lines. Some churches will only let elders or pastors or ordained pastors officiate the ordinances. Mm. Most churches, including the Baptists, have two ordinances. You have Lord's Supper and you have baptism. And so when you think about the Lord's Supper, the pastor or an elder or a group of deacons may explain it and distribute the elements. Some churches even discuss whether or not women can distribute elements. I mean, it gets pretty into the details, but that's part of the level. So in that Baptist church, you really need to look at their polity at their, if it's called a doctoral statement or the Baptist faith and message, what does it say at that local church? And have they made a change and said, we're going to allow women to baptize in certain situations? And it might be appropriate for an older woman to baptize a girl in her youth group. Right. Or, you know, a child in Sunday school class who came to believe in Jesus in the fifth grade class. Mrs. Leary was this wonderful, godly woman who's taught for 35 years. Can that local assembly have that opportunity to say yes? Now, ways that this works are are women doing things under the authority of the pastors and elders. So when it comes to teaching, we would argue that that's a role in a senior pastor role that he has authority over the congregation. And so if you apply that then to the next level, where does that pastoral authority, that elder authority, where is it ensconced, in other words? Sure. And, and can that elder say, you know what? 
Mrs. Larry's been teaching that class for 35 years. She knows the Bible better than most elders. She led that little girl to the Lord. Why can't we approve mm-hmm. of her doing that? And maybe the pastor's there and he reads a verse. And if you have a baptistry tank in the church, which most Baptist churches do, that's all the local assembly. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you can find anything in the scripture, the New Testament, that's going to precisely answer are only men, only elders and pastor teachers allowed to officiate the ordinances. Mm -hmm. It makes some sense. Again, back to that governing authority, each local assembly might be able to do that in a way that still honors the role, the elders still leading, the pastor still in authority teaching, but they're allowing those occasional women to do that. Now, I like when a husband and wife come to Christ, the husband gets baptized, and baptizes his wife. I think that's wonderful because now you have the the head of the home, as you were, leading his family. And think about that. Maybe it's a really cool story where the family came to Christ over time. Would that be great if the mom baptized her teenage daughter? I don't know. But those things I think are important. I don't think you can find a passage that says, no, a woman can never officiate or you know put a person underwater so right. i'll stop there hannah a- right. ask questions inject what are you thinking yeah well my i mean obviously there's not any scripture that says only men could do ordinances or only men can baptize what popped into my head was who was the crowd or the audience that jesus was specifically talking to when he gave the command of the great commission was it mixed company was it just the sure. yeah i don't think apostles? we have any reason yeah mm-hmm. and that's always primary and secondary audience so i think he's speaking to the disciples but there were women disciples. Yeah. We tend to differentiate and err on the side of he's talking to his 11 in that case. But some of them walked away. Right. And so I don't think it was just 10 people there or 11 people there. And a few of them walked away. I think there's a group of followers. And we have even in the Testament, we have to be honest, sometimes the word apostle is used differently than just the so-called 12 apostles. Right. It's used right. as ones who were sent. So you have to be careful not to be too heavy-handed on some of these terms. But yes, to your point, the women who followed Jesus and ministered to Jesus, they were disciples. Martha and Mary were disciples. And they're called to make... I mean, women are called to make disciples. So that's what I would almost... I mean, I get the idea that if a denomination has said only the ordained or only those that are elder, pastor, teacher, whatever, can baptize because it's considered a sacrament or an ordinance, fine. But it's like if you're letting, you know, dads baptize their children or whatever, if there's a single mom and her, you know, child comes of faith or you and I talked about this earlier, I've heard teaching where they've talked about in the early church due to just modesty, they think women were baptizing women. Because again, unless it was a husband baptizing his wife, it would have been very out of cultural norms for specifically the Jews for a man to be touching a woman at all, like in water or whatever. So of course, we're not as concerned with modesty in that way today. Yeah, I think it's interesting. You know, I mean, my church, there's definitely pastors that are baptizing. There are female small group leader might baptize her small group girl because she's the one that really, you know, brought this teenager to faith, obviously. Now, now would Spirit. there be a, a student pastor, pastor All, over? Yes, yeah, always. Okay. Always yeah. there's a pastor at the tank <laughs> with, yeah. you know, whoever's dunking. And the pastor's <laughs> even the one that's saying everything. You you know, they're having the yeah. conversation with the person before they're dunked. And then, you know, they'll tap mom or dad or whoever on the shoulder and they'll step in and then they'll get to be the one that like submerses the yeah. person in, in water. 
Well, yeah. you bring up the early, you know, in Judaism, it's called a mikvah. Right. When you go to Israel on the southern steps, they have uncovered, oh, I'm going to say north of 100 now, mikvahs, and estimates are over two to 300 mikvah baths mm. were in the ground as you approach the southern steps. And in antiquity, only the men went into the mikvah. Yep. And they would strip down to their, basically their undergarment, ephod, and they would walk down seven steps and walk out, and depending on the design of the mikvah, they might have steps on two sides or one side, but anyway. And it was very ritualistic before he could then go up into the temple complex to offer sacrifice for Passover in particular. So each time the mikvah was enacted, it was a cleansing. So when John the Baptist comes on the scene, he changes it. He's baptizing for repentance. Mm -hmm. And he says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And so we might say that was a moral call to the Jew. You're not living right. And he was out further south of the temple complex. So when Jesus culminates that, and we've talked about this before, Matthew 3.17, the voice from heaven, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. We put that together from a couple of different gospels. But John doesn't want to do it mm -hmm. because Jesus is Messiah. Who is he to administer this and the point isn't who administered it. The point was identification. The voice from heaven, the Holy Spirit like a dove. So you have the Father's voice, the Spirit's appearance, and Jesus Christ culminating, this is my Son whom I'm well pleased. And he becomes the perfect sacrifice. So baptism is redefined theologically, not as yeah. a cleansing to go to worship, but being identified as a follower of yeah. Christ. And that's why John diminishes, because the old mikvahs, no longer apply. Mm. So anyway, a lot, a lot of history with baptism, but you're right, Hannah, it was probably segregated. And in Judaism today, it's segregated, yeah. even yeah. in the mikvah procedure, unless it's a, a very liberal synagogue. Well, if you've got a question for Dr. E, call us, text us, email us. The info is in the show notes. Ask Dr. E is produced by me, Hannah Seymour, mixed and mastered by Sonomorphic and music composed by Jason Germain.